Hey, thanks for checking out this sermon. Our team worked hard to put this sermon together with you in mind, and we hope it helps you take your next step with Jesus. Enjoy. Christmas shopping left to do. Oh, I see. Okay, so there's quite a few of you. I see some hands going up. I don't want you guys to, I don't want to make you nervous or anything. There's only four days left till Christmas. By the end of this service, it'll be three and a half. So I'm going to set my water mug this way so you guys don't stress out and y'all don't get on Amazon Prime and start trying to finish up your Christmas shopping during the service. If you'd wait till after, that would be amazing. Um, I want to say a special welcome to those watching Cornerstone Church online. We're glad you've joined us as a part of our online community, and there's pastors on staff that are there to just talk to you and um, make you feel at home. I know you're in good hands, so I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas this morning. We're so close to Christmas, the joy of um, what Jesus brought for us. Uh, would you please open your Bibles with me? Or if, you're, if you have your Bible app, you can open that up. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to read the Word of God. We're continuing in the book of John. It's in the New Testament, about just past halfway through your Bible. About two-thirds of the way through, actually, the book of John. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're in John chapter 1. Brought chalk from my mug on me. The true light, this is verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. You may be seated. In this series, we've been unpacking the first half of the first gospel of John. And we've been going through it verse by verse, which is one of my favorite things to do. The first week, we were reminded that the birth of Christ that we celebrate this Christmas is nothing less than God himself coming down to earth to redeem humanity and restore us into relationship with him. Last week, Pastor Steve Ingold introduced us to John the Baptist, who came ahead of Jesus as a witness to say, prepare the way for the Messiah is coming. 
Today's text, we're going to find out how the light of the world was received when he got here. So when I was in my 20s, um, a friend of mine was house-sitting in the Oakland Hills. And what I remember the most about this house, for whatever reason, is that she said it used to be owned by Clint Eastwood, which I thought sounded pretty fun. So when she asked me to spend the night, I was like, yeah, I want to go see a house in the Oakland Hills that was owned by Clint Eastwood. So I go to her house to spend the night, to this house, and so when it's time to go to sleep, we lay our stuff down on the ground, and I look in the, to the wall of this room that we're in, and there's tarp on the wall, and it's kind of moving. And so, you know, I was curious, or nosy, however you want to look at that, and I pull it back, and it just, the wall's missing. There is no wall. The tarp is the wall. Now, for a lot of you guys, you're going to say, okay, well, what's the big deal? Was it snowing? Was there hail or sleet or was there a mudslide? Why is there a big deal that it wasn't a wall? <clears throat> for me, in my eyes and in my mind, it was like Chainsaw Massacre music starts going. <laughs> and I feel like this open wall is like going to be the siren call to hearken every bad guy in a 20-mile radius to come to our house and come in and take whatever they want and rob us and everything, you know. Like, it's like a beacon. Open wall to a house in the Oakland Hills. Come, take what you need, you know. So this house had a remote in it. It was the 90s. I don't know how they even did this back then. It feels so long ago. It was probably like this big, but in my mind it was this big. And you could turn lights on and off in various rooms of the house. And so what I did was, my friend went to sleep right away, and I laid in bed, or in my sleeping bag, with this remote. And I turned the kitchen light on, and I turned the kitchen light off. And I turned the family room light on, and the family room light off. I turned the outside light on, and the outside light off. Why do you think I was doing this? So all the bad guys would think somebody was home, and apparently, going from room to room, <laughs> turning the lights on and off until 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, who would want to go to that crazy person's house? I mean, they're up all night turning the lights on. And apparently I thought, like, 3 a.m. was the time bad guys go to sleep because that's when I figured I could be off duty for my lights and just finally let myself go to sleep. In my mind, light was going to keep the darkness away. Right? If you think night lights, when a light is on, we don't trip in the dark. We can see where we're going. We can see what's ahead of us. We can see we don't have to be afraid. Light gives us direction. When you're in an airplane <clears throat> at a bazillion feet and they tell you on the off chance that all the lights go off in the cabin or it fills with smoke, you know, what do they do to comfort you? They're like, <laughs> just follow those itty bitty lights right to the exit sign and you'll know right where to go, right? They give us direction. Light makes us feel safe, it warms us, it brightens our mood. There's a very real thing that some of you know, that's seasonal depression. And so when it gets dark and gloomy outside, you feel dark and gloomy in your spirit, and it just brings you low. We light up our Christmas tree with lights because there's such a comfort to the warm glow in our home. Pastor Steve Madsen gave us this simple truth from week one. Light pushes away darkness. And he showed us verse 5. The light, which we know as Jesus, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the hope of Christmas right here, that Jesus, the light, came into the world, 
And no matter what darkness that you have going on in your life, no matter what you're facing, relational problems, financial problems, emotional, mental, you just are in a hard time and it feels dark and you would even use the word despair. None of those things can overcome the light that Jesus has for you and the light that Jesus brought into this world. That's Christmas. So let's take a little closer look at our text in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So, so the Greek word here for true isn't like true and false. Um, it's more like true as the perfect ideal as opposed to other imperfect representations. So when you think of, you say a color is true blue. That's a true shade of blue, right? Or um, this girl is a true friend. It's like that. So John is telling the Jews, okay, you've heard of some lights. You know some lights. Abraham, Moses, they were lights. The temple, that's a light. John the Baptist, he was a light. But Jesus is the one and only perfect, ideal, and true light. And this light, the word it uses, it enlightens and gives life gives light to everyone. It extended to the whole human race, to all of his creation, and it brought spiritual understanding and wisdom and knowledge. And I know that someone here today, you've gone to great lengths to find enlightenment. And you would, you've probably told someone the church is the last place you'd go, but you're here. And I'm going to tell you that the light came to enlighten the world with the knowledge of the true God and creator of the universe. And that's why you're here. Jesus' arrival in the manger pierced the darkness and shone a new light to all of humanity. This was his rescue plan all along. He was brought to a man named Simeon, a devout man of God when he was a child. And when Simeon held him in his arms and looked down at him, this is the prayer he prayed to God. He said, God, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus was the light. Now, as I studied these verses today over the last month, verse 10 provoked a sadness in me. Like, I felt sorry for Jesus, if that, if you can. I felt like I wanted to give him a hug. I wanted to tell him everything was going to be okay. There are some sad verses in the Bible. Can you think of a sad? What do you think is the saddest verse in the Bible? Isn't that a weird question? The first, one of the first things I thought of was Jesus wept, because that's sad, right? And who doesn't know that verse? When you have to memorize a verse, that's your whole verse. Jesus wept. Everyone memorizes that by the time you're in like fourth grade and get your sticker or whatever, right? For me, I think the saddest verse would be John 1, verse 10. He was in the world. And even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Some other translations say the world did not know him. All of the world was made through Jesus. Not just the population, but the oceans that they traveled on. 
the flowers that sprouted up that scented the air in the spring, the sun that would shine on their faces every morning when they would get up. He made all of those things for them. He made those things for us. And he made them with purpose and intention and expectation and so much love for his creation. And that's what makes what is said right after more striking, that his very own creation did not know its maker. After Jesus started his ministry, he went back home to his hometown and went in to start teaching, and they, they could only see him as who he once was. So they would say, um, well, isn't that just the carpenter's son? That's just the carpenter's son. Like, that's Mary's son. I know Mary. I know his family. That's all who he is. They saw him as a carpenter's son. They didn't recognize him as their savior. They didn't recognize him as the light of the world. Even the rulers or some of the religious rulers that were known for studying God's law, they just wanted to kill him. They didn't recognize him. That he didn't fit their image of what the Messiah was supposed to look like. Well, just like then, we're living in a world today that doesn't know its maker. That's, that's the reality. There was a study done two years ago, and out of the 80% of college graduates that believe in God, less than 50%, less than 50% believe that it's this God. The rest believe it's an impersonal power or force. And people are finding other things to do with their time than go to church. Fewer and fewer people are coming to church. It wasn't that long ago. A lot of you are going to remember this. There were just churches in all the communities and everybody went to church on the weekends. That's just what people did. That you'd see them, they'd all be in church on Sunday. Do you remember that like, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, and there were all the people, right? Except what's it in the East Bay now? Here's the church. Here's the steeple, maybe, because a lot of churches don't have them now. We don't need a steeple to have Jesus. Open the doors, and there's Susan. Like, good job, Susan. You know, like, the people are not coming into the church doors. That, that's not the center of community like it used to be. This means as a church, we have to shift our thinking. We have to shift our thinking. If people aren't coming into church door, into our church doors, then it's more important than ever that we understand that we are the church. That we are the light bearers. That it doesn't have to do with these walls. We are the church to the world out there. We are the light to bring light into the darkness. We reflect the true light. In the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus tells his disciples, and it's for all of us as his followers. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and hide it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Jesus calls us to be lights in the world, and he has set you on a lampstand right where you are. 
And he set you on a lampstand to shine bright and shine outward. He's placed you in your workplace. He's placed you in your neighborhood. He's placed you in your family on a lampstand to shine. Now, for a lot of us, it's easy to shine our lights in our home. And then we can go to our community groups and shine our lights. And then we go into church on the weekends and shine our lights. But it gets a little harder when it comes to our neighbors or our workplace or the classroom at school. When we get to that place, we kind of dim it a little bit or maybe cover it all together. For some of us, it's our families that it's the hardest to shine our light in because they've been the least receptive to the changes that God has made in our lives. Where is it hard for you to shine your light? Because that's going to be probably the most challenging thing you're going to wrestle with is how to do that this next year. There is a point where as disciples of God, after he pours into us and saves us and builds relationship with us and he's nose to nose with us, there's a point where he turns us outward, right? And faces the world and he says, he stands right behind us. See that man over there? He needs to know the hope you have. His family's falling apart. He needs my peace. See that neighbor over there? They're struggling. Their lawn is so long. Why don't you go help them out with that? Go be a light to them. I'm going to help you and I'm going to show you. Go be a light. If we aren't lights, how are people going to see the hope of Jesus if they aren't coming into church? So we have to light up our workplace, light up our neighborhood. Many of you, I know you lit up your house like crazy for Christmas. What a beautiful picture of what we are to be on our streets. The light to light up our street. When a coworker's child is sick or their life is crumbling, just say, can I pray for you? I know that seems scary, but I guarantee they're going to say yes. They'll say yes. They'll first be surprised that anyone was willing to look outside of their own life and care about theirs because that's getting more and more rare. But they will love any help, any sign of compassion. Can I pray for you? Sure. And just take a minute right in their cubicle. I'm just going to pray for you that God would just step in to your family and bring healing. Help direct those you spend time with into a healthy marriage. Speak hope into their chaos. Bring light into their darkness. You're sitting next to someone at work, and they start talking about the affair they're going to have. This happens. This happened to me. And you start sharing about the affair they're going to have. Ask God, God, give me wisdom. Show me what to say that I can speak goodness and truth into this person's life. They tell you their kids run away for the fourth time. You know what? Let me pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. God loves you. He loves your son. Just bring light into the darkness and the people around you. There's three ways we can be a light and help fulfill Cornerstone's mission for the East Bay. And I'm going to bring them to you today. The first one is serve. Yes, serve in the church. We love that people serve in the church. That's how this all happens and communities all over the world are blessed by what Cornerstone does. But I'm talking about being a light outside the church. Serving in your community. Serving on your, in your neighborhood. Um, you guys familiar with Nextdoor? It's a website where you type in your address and then Nextdoor just basically connects you with your neighbors on your street 
and then to the greater cities, the greater neighborhoods of Livermore, for example. But every city has a Nextdoor page that you can go to. So I was on Nextdoor a couple weeks ago, and I came across this post. So if you know Steve Eveleth, or if you're here, could you give the guy a high five? I don't know who he is, but this is what he posted. Did somebody high five? I was going to be like, Steve, come on up, Steve. Okay. Hi, neighbors. Man and truck for use. Hello. I have some free time in the next couple of weeks. If anyone gets in a jam and needs something hauled from point A to B in Livermore, I can help you. I don't need anything for my time. Call me. Let me know what you need. Happy holidays. Be like Steve, right? All the comments on there were like, so kind of you. I can't believe this kindness. I can't believe you would do that. And it got me thinking, what if we as the church did that? What if we did things like this, where I don't want anything for my time, how can I help you? And then just think of the conversations that you would get into. Why are you doing this? How, what made you do this? Well, I go to Cornerstone. We've been talking about being a light and serving our neighbors, serving our community. And I just wanted to shine a light of God's love. Well, you've just opened a conversation of faith and church. You've just started the conversation that could change their lives. There was a woman on there that posted, um, I'm looking for a handyman to hire to hang my TV. And I yelled over to my husband, Darren, you could hang her TV, right? Because men love it when you give them chores and then you give them other ladies chores, right, you guys? <laughs> you guys are like, bring it. I love chores. I'm like, Darren, you could hang her TV. It would take you 20 minutes. And then when she says, you're doing this for free? Yeah, I go to Cornerstone. Just wanted to shine a light and like show God's love in a tangible way and just find ways to serve my neighbors. Can you imagine how that would transform the East Bay? It might mean sometimes just bringing a meal to someone because they're going through a hard time or mowing their lawn or right now, raking leaves. You can come rake my leaves and show me God's love. <laughs> I'll give you my phone number. Just kidding. Um, sometimes being a light is just giving someone a note of encouragement, right? Just letting someone know, hey, I see you. I see you, and you're loved, and I care about you. But to discover the more practical needs, we have to be in conversation, right? So we have to talk to our neighbors, talk to those people around us in the workplace besides just, hey, what up? It's like, how are things going in your life? And then find a way to shine your light and help them. So what's the first way we can be a light? Serve. The second is share. And I'm talking about sharing your faith, but all that is, is it's telling your story. Sharing your faith is just telling your story. Tell them about the time... God plucked you out of a really dark place and gave you joy. Or the time God saved your marriage. Or your child that went away to college and stopped all conversation with you. And then now they've come back. And they're coming back into your family. Just share about the awesome things God did. I talked to someone earlier who was addicted to meth for a long time. And he is like free and loves the Lord. And he goes, he's going to go minister in prison today. Like tell your story. Because it's going to resonate with somebody else that's hearing you. If a woman compliments me on my outfit, I will 100% say, oh, I got it at TJ Maxx for like $14.99, right? Ladies, we do that. Oh, I just got it at Target. If you do CrossFit, 
or you're eating keto, or you do those races where you have obstacle courses and mud and colors, I don't even know, all those things, right? You tell everybody about it. You tell them because you love what it's done for you. It's fun. You, you love it for all these reasons, and you tell everyone about it. you got the stickers all over your car. If you got those stickers on your car, you better not pass up those window clings from Cornerstone inviting people to Christmas Eve services. Put that right there, right next to your other stickers, right? You tell people, we love to share the good news. Well, you know God. He's done good things for you too. Just throw that in the mix. Talk about things he's done for you. When somebody says, you seem so happy, well, I have Jesus. They say, man, I have so much bitterness, I cannot forgive my dad. And you have like, you forgave your mom, you forgave your dad, you forgave your ex. How did you do that? Well, I have Jesus. He helped me to walk in forgiveness and I have so much peace. Your life is falling apart, but you just seem to have peace. Well, I have Jesus, and he just gives me this peace. Like, God gives me this peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense, but it's amazing. That's just a part of your story. In 2005, I had brain surgery, which is kind of a fun little trivia bit, you know. had brain surgery, and I had a website up so my family and friends could kind of track with what was going on. And it was full of, like, Farsight comics and jokes. I joked about King Tut because they were going to get to my brain going through my nose, and that's kind of what they did for King Tut, if you know. It's kind of weird, kind of gross, but that's what it was going to be. And I was working at LeapFrog at the time, and the peop- my coworkers at LeapFrog would say, why are you okay with this? Like, you're going to have brain surgery. What, how come you seem okay? And I would just say, well, I'm a Christian, and God has, uh, God, God has just given me this peace that passes all understanding. It's in the Bible. He talks about it, and there's no logic. It doesn't make sense. I just have peace, and I trust that he holds my life, and everything's going to be okay, and he's with me in it. It was just telling my story of what was going on in my life. Life is too short for us not to be sharing our faith and just telling of the good things that God has done for us. Just tell your story. So the first two ways to be a light, serve, share, and the last one is salvation. Now this one's going to make some of you uncomfortable, and I'm 100% okay with that. It's time, church for us to get our hands in to salvation. With more and more people going to church, we can't leave the responsibility of evangelizing the East Bay to our pastors on the weekends. It just doesn't really work like that. We have to shift our thinking. We have to shift our thinking from altar calls to like the break room or your neighbor's family room, right? It's time for us to see ourselves as the person to introduce someone to Jesus. When someone asks why you're so nice and where your peace comes from and why you're different, you tell them it's because of Jesus. At some point, as you build relationship with them and you have conversations with them and you serve them and you hang out with them, there's a point where you reach to say, do you want this peace too? And then it's not some 20-step weird formula. It's such a simple thing. It's such a conversational thing to explain to them that God created the earth and then sin entered the world and separated us from God. And he loves us so much, but we were separated, so he sent his son to this earth. That's Christmas. 
And Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, which was death, to make a way for us to be reconciled to God. And that's Easter. And then he offers us as a gift his presence with us, eternal life, heaven. It's amazing. He forgives us of our past and gives us a fresh start. And then you show him how to pray that, and you've just introduced someone to Jesus. Can you picture yourself doing this with someone? Maybe someone's even come into your mind. And I'll tell you, just to encourage you, God has been working on them way longer than before the moment where you're going to have this conversation with them. So I want to encourage you in 2020 to introduce someone or someones to Jesus. Tell your story and then tell them how to meet him. In verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That gets even a little sadder. In the Greek, the first time John says his own, it's neutral. So it represents coming to his home, which was coming to the land where the temple was. And when it says, and those who were his own did not receive him, it's masculine. So it gets a little more personal. It's representing the people that live in the home or the people that live in his land. So he came to his own land and his own people received him not. It's this picture of a warm and welcoming home. Who's traveling for Christmas? A lot of people traveling, for, or maybe you traveled here and you're here for Christmas. Welcome to Livermore. I'm glad you're here. Um, so when you're at the airport, the people at the airport treat you with indifference pretty much, right? Like they don't know you. You're just a face in the crowd. TSA doesn't care that your daughter's soccer team just won another trophy. The flight attendant isn't going to uh, listen to you to talk about how your son's been getting bullied at school and you keep working with the teachers and the principal and nothing's changing. Your Uber driver, he'll get you from point A to point B, but he's not really going to pay attention when you realize, you know, you've had this epiphany that no matter how much you've been connected on every social media platform, you're filled with such loneliness and you just want a hug from someone that knows you to make you feel special. So you head home and you're so excited to be with your loved ones that are going to care about all these little stories and that are going to give you the hug that you want because they're your family. Sure, they're, you're sure they're expecting you, right? You've sent your itinerary, so they're expecting you to get there. Your friend arrived an hour ago and said, oh, she's on her way, or he's going to be here in about an hour. Your, your family's probably waiting at the window for you to get there because they're so excited to see you. And when you go in, it's going to be laughter and stories and fun and hugs and hot chocolate, and it's going to be amazing. Except the reception is the opposite. And you come in the door and your mom looks at you with suspicion. Your dad looks at you with contempt. Your sister, she acts like she doesn't even know you. And your grandpa's looking at you like you're his enemy. And then they tell you to leave. You finally landed in the place where they would welcome you and they're like, we don't want you here. You need to go. 
And you'd be like, wait, these are my safe people. They're my family. They were expecting me. This is where I'm supposed to be on Christmas. In the world he created, there was one place where Jesus might have looked to for recognition. There was one set of people who might have been expected to welcome him or recognize him or see his purpose. But not only the world was blind, but the narrower circle of his own didn't receive him. They couldn't understand the truth in their hearts because they had rejected him straight away. Have you ever gotten a Christmas present that in your mind you sort of reject right away because it wasn't what you wanted? or it's not what you asked for, or you don't understand at all why that person would give you that gift. So in your mind, you're like, you're already thinking if there's enough time for you to re-gift it to this person over here because they would love that gift, right? Well, about 10 years ago, on Christmas morning, my, hus I, my husband gave me a fishing pole. And I had fished when I was a kid, but at this point, I had little kids of my own, and I didn't fish that often. I didn't have opportunity to do that. It had a little frosty pink on it, and so I was like, okay, that's cute. Thanks, honey. And then I opened a tackle box. And I was like, okay, this is getting better. A tackle box and a fishing pole. I hope there's MAC Cosmetics in this tackle box, because that's what I asked for. Maybe an Amazon gift card. How about let me open it up, see what's in there. Well, I open it up, and there's a Bass Pro Shop gift card. <laughs> and I'm like, did you see my list, you know? <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, okay, these are great. They're just going to go in the garage, whatever. And my husband says, so I got you this gift card so you can take your dad to Bass Pro Shop, and he can help you fill it up with all the lures and all the string and all the stuff that you need so you guys can go fishing. Because I grew up, my dad's here right now, I grew up fishing with my dad and I love fishing with my dad and so my husband was creating space for a memory. But I didn't know the truth. I didn't get what he was doing and I just rejected him. I rejected the gift until I knew the story of the gift and the truth behind the gift. It's when you begin to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that your eyes are opened to see his movement in your life, to see his movement in the circumstances around you. Thankfully, John doesn't leave us with rejection of the light. We find hope in verse 12. It says, yet to all, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Some translations say authority, that he gave them authority. It's the power of choice, the freedom to choose, the right. When we believe in Jesus and everything he says he is, we are, we are given the right to choose to become God's children. We're given the right to choose that. We, we can choose heaven. And all it takes is an act of faith. To believe Jesus is the Son of God sent into the world. One author said this, For the first time, John speaks the great word believe. The act of faith is the conditioner means of receiving. 
It's the opening of the mental eye for the light to pour in. Just believing by faith. When we believe we're adopted as God's children with all rights and privileges, it's a supernatural work. For so many things in life, we don't have choices, right? You can't choose your parents. You can't choose your siblings. You can't choose the weather, what the weather's going to be today or tomorrow. But heaven, heaven, you can choose heaven. That's kind of a big deal. You can choose a relationship with God. This is why Jesus came to earth, to give you the authority to choose him. So I want to take a few minutes, and I want to speak to those of you here that are here. You may have never been to church before. You don't know why you're here this morning. Maybe you came because you wanted your kids to be in church around Easter. Or maybe you came because a neighbor brought you or you're visiting from out of, out of town and your, the family brought you here and you didn't want to sit at their house all by yourself. So you're like, I guess I'll go to church. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. I want to tell you why the rest of us are here. I want to tell you why we are here at Cornerstone Fellowship following the light of Jesus and believing in him. So the first reason why we're here, these are the benefits of following the light, is community. There are a billion different ways to be connected in today's society, but people are lonelier than ever. And here at Cornerstone, there is a group for every person in here. There is, are you, if you're walking through grief, there's support for you. If you're walking through addiction and trying to break out of it, there's support for you. There are groups for women, for men, for singles, those walking through divorce. There's a place for you to belong and to set, for someone to link arms with you and do life with you. The community here where you become family, there's nothing like it. So when you come into the family of God here and globally, like I was at Starbucks and I heard somebody talking about God and I'm like, that's my brother. I don't know who he is, but we're both in the family. It's a, such a cool connection all over the world. Second reason why we're here is companionship with God. When you give your life to Jesus, he forgives you of all those past mistakes, all those old regrets, all those really bad decisions, and he gives you a fresh start. He makes all things new for a fresh start. And then he promises to walk your life out with you. He says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be with you from this day on. God deposits his spirit in you. And you're filled with supernatural peace and courage and joy. He provides inner counsel. He gives you wisdom. He gives you guidance. He shows you your purpose. He gives your body rest and he stands with you when you come up against hard things. And he gives you hope. He gives you hope. So community, companionship, and kingdom. When you believe in Jesus and you give him your life, you get to go to heaven. You get to go to heaven. And now some people will say, well, if I have to choose between heaven and just not existing, I'll just roll the dice. I don't really care either way. But I want you to hear me out. 
every person in the world longs to feel loved. Every single one. It's how we were made. We want to feel loved. We want to belong. If you look on social media from the 14-year-old boy to the 70-year-old grandma, right? They want to be liked. They want to be accepted. They want to belong. They want to be loved and seen. You want to know that you're enough. You want to know that you're okay. You want to know that there's somebody out there that will know everything about you, the good and the bad, and love you anyway. We all have that in us, that desire to be loved. And in our imperfect world, there's times where we feel love until maybe the divorce. Or we feel um, joy until maybe there's a betrayal and then we feel lost. I can promise you that in heaven, in the presence of the true light, the originator of love, when you get in his presence, your depression will be gone. The tears that you've cried, they will be wiped away. The aches and pains that you've carried in your body, that nobody understands what the chronic pain is doing to your heart and your mind, that will be gone in heaven. And as an added bonus, we get to experience some of that here and now as we're filled with God's love and peace and comfort. So in a few days, we celebrate the light of the world and how he came as a baby. And maybe you haven't recognized him yet, but today is going to change all that. Just in time for Christmas. I know that there are many of you in this room right now and many of you watching online right now that God has been working on you. He has been drawing you. He has been calling you. Your heart's beating super fast right now because you're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? That's the Holy Spirit saying, it's time. Give me your life. Let me pour all of my love into your life. Maybe you're tired of doing life on your own or you just want to know what Christmas is really about. You want to celebrate Christmas for what it really is. So if that's you, if you're saying, Kim, I don't get all of this, but I want to feel the love you're talking about. I want to feel the peace you're talking about. I'm desperate for the hope you're talking about. I want to celebrate this light you're talking about. If that is you and you are ready to give your life to Jesus right now, I want you to raise your hand tall. I want you to turn your light on. There are a lot of you. I see you. I saw you. I see you. Get them up higher. This is where you're the light. This is where you're turning on your light. Keep your hands up for a minute. I'm not going to have you do anything weird. I see you. I see you. Okay, you guys can put your hands down. I'm so excited for you. Would everyone in the room please close your eyes and pray this prayer with me? We're all going to pray together. Just repeat after me. God, thank you for loving me. Please fill me with your peace. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. Please forgive me for my past and give me a fresh start. I believe you came to save me. 
and I give you my life and put my faith in you today. Amen. your hand or if you were online I think there's a button you could even push like if you raise your hand we want to walk out this journey with you we want to be your community and be your family but we can only do that if we know who you are so will you tell one of us tell me tell someone up here tell someone in the connect center find a pastor and let them know that you've given your life to Jesus today and if you're online log in and let the pastor on staff there know um, we're really excited that you've joined us in this family right in time for Christmas and um I hope that means something new to you this year. So God bless you guys and Merry Christmas.